Parshas Kisavo, attaining true bitachon. In Parshas Kisavo, we read about the mitzvah of Bikurim. It was a scene to behold. Our forefathers would gather together from all corners of Eretz Yisrael and bring the first ripe fruits of their fields to the base Hamikdash as an expression of thanksgiving to Hakadosh Baruch Now. Included in this mitzvah was a certain formula, a declaration of gratitude to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that the farmer would make upon his arrival in the Azorah. And it's going to be some of these pesukim in the Torah that we will attempt to study now. Among other things, the farmer expressed his gratitude to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for saving the Bnei Yisrael from Mitzrayim. And he said as follows, V'nitzak el Hashem elokei avotenu, v'yishma Hashem Et kolenu, v'yotzienu Hashem mimitzrayim, v'yivienu el hamakom azeh. We cried out to you, Hashem, and you took us out of Mitzrayim and brought us to this place. He's describing there how HaKadosh Baruch Hu had kept his promise to us by saving us from slavery in Mitzrayim. But we note something queer in the Pazukim. We cried out to you and you took us out. It seems like that's the reason that our Kalash Baruch Hu took us out. But that's a big question. What's this business about crying out? And if they didn't cry out, what would happen? Wasn't it a promise made to Avraham and to Yitzchak and to Yaakov, each one separately, that our Kalash Baruch Hu would take their children out of Mitzrayim? It was a bris. The farmer himself says it. He got the ayom la'ashem elokecha. I declare today to Hashem that I've come into the land that he swore to our fathers to give to us. He gave us his word to the others. Isn't that enough? And the answer is no, it's not enough. There's another element required for a nation that's going to be taken out of Mitzrayim and that's crying out. And we're going to learn now that it wasn't just another thing. It was everything. It was only because the Bnei Yisrael cried out that they were taken out of Mitzrayim. Despite the covenant, despite the oath that had to be fulfilled, it's the word of Hashem. After all, so there's no way that it wouldn't come true sooner or later, despite all that. HaKadosh Baruch Hu waited until he heard their outcry. The outcry was what sealed the deal. And not just one outcry. They cried out for a long time. It's repeated again and again. I have heard their crying out. Shemois. Their crying out has come before me. I have heard the groaning outcry of B'nai Yisrael. Only when he heard enough outcries from them, it was only then that finally HaKadosh Baruch Hu decided to fulfill his covenant with them. Now, we think that this one groaned on his own, and that one groaned on his own, that they cried out privately. Each time something happened, they cried out. No, that's a big error. Of course, that too. But you don't understand the ways of our forefathers. It was organized groaning. They came together to groan. That's what they did. Whenever they had an opportunity, they gathered together and they shouted, Anna Hashem Hoshi Anna! Hashem! Please save us. But not like I say it. Anna Hashem. Quietly. They raised the roof. That's how our forefathers did it. That's the old, I won't say Jewish way. It was the old Israelite way to shout. 
Mikidos Libam from the walls of their heart. Yirmiya. They shouted to make HaKadosh Baruch Hu listen. Now that seems queer to our sophisticated ears. When we pray, we shouldn't shout to tear the skies open. We understand that Hashem hears even a whisper. And so we don't do such things. We're too cultured for that. Not only do we not shout, but we don't pray excessively either. You know that there are a lot of people here who are nice people. And they don't like to burden Hashem too much. They'll ask, they'll say prayers, but they won't go overboard. Quietly, they'll mention something. I need Parnassa or I want good health, but to importune him and to be bothersome, to raise their voices and to call out to him, that they won't do. They won't pester him like that. They remind him once in a while to keep them in mind. And that's all. But that's very far from the ways of our forefathers. You think they were standing there saying a formal prayer, or something like that, from the Siddur. And they got through with that, and that's all. No, that's not how they prayed. They were tearing the skies apart with their prayers. We have no king except for you, not Paro, not Moshe Rabbeinu. Nobody is going to take us out of here except for you. I cannot describe what took place there, but you can be sure it was the most pathetic scene. I'm sure they were hysterical. Venitzak. And we cried out. Try that one time. You're walking in the street and there's a lot of noise from the traffic. Maybe you're walking under the L train. And there's a train overhead making a tremendous racket. Nobody's standing next to you. No one can hear you now. So open your mouth and shout at the top of your voice. I have no king except for you. You never did it before. What are you waiting for? Try it once in a while. Cry out to him for something. For what? For a shidduch. For children. For health. There are thousands of things that you need. You don't need anything. It's impossible. But let's say you have a thick head. So cry out for other people who are suffering. That's the way to daven. You're shouting because you're all in. There was once a tzaddik in Galicia. Rabdavid the lover. And he was a tzaddik since he was a little baby. As a little child, he was already a tzaddik. But I'm not talking about him now. I want to tell you about his father. The chachamim, the sages, once came and asked his mother. It was after his father died already. So they came to his mother and asked her, How did it happen that your child was born a kadosh merechem? He was a kadosh when he was a little baby. How did you merit such a thing? Maybe your husband... That's the father of Rabdavid. Maybe he was a big tzaddik. No, she said. He was a plain man. But the sages wouldn't let up. Can't you recall anything about him? Something? Tell us something that was exceptional about your husband. But she insisted. There was nothing exceptional about him, she said. He was a plain man. Only one thing I do remember. I recall that he used to walk around the table praying for a son on Shabbos. When they used to come to the words... In the one of the Zemiris, they said, It's a tefillah that we should be worthy of having children who study Torah and do mitzvahs. So he used to sing it again and again. And each time he began more and more excited. 
And then he began to cry out and shout. And the end was that he was banging his head against the wall. He was crying out to Hashem. And he banged his head so much against the wall that he used to faint. That's what I remember, she told them. At that time, it seemed like he was an extremist to be so excited about tefillah. But that's what happened. That was a plain Jew in the ancient times. And so our Avas in Mitzrayim banged their heads against the wall. I can't tell you exactly what they did, but you can be sure they were extreme. They were tearing their hearts out and asking to be saved from the wicked Egyptians, from the whips and the bricks and the servitude. And that's why they finally came out of Mitzrayim. But I want to tell you something now, something that you probably didn't know. HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't take them out because they were crying. It's not that they cried, so he had Rahmanus on his people. Oh no, of course, that too. But it was much more than that. It was because by means of all their calling out, they became new people. As much as they trusted in Hashem before, it was increased now 100-fold, a thousand-fold. They became tremendous. Ba'alei bitochon. They cried out with such fervor, with such intensity, with such a loud voice, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu saw that they trusted in Him. And now they were ready to be His people. They were ready to be redeemed from Mitzrayim and to be brought to the Har Sinai to receive the Torah. If you trusted me so strongly, said Hashem, so you are ready now for Matan Torah. It's something we say every day in our davening. But most people don't realize what they're saying. In Avarabah we say, Avinu Malkenu, Bavor Avotenu, Shabbatchu Becha. Our Father, our King, for the sake of our fathers who had trust in you. Vitilamdem Chukechaim. And you taught them the statutes of life, the laws of life. It means because our forefathers trusted in you. That's why you chose to take them out of Mitzrayim and bring them to Har Sinai to become the eternal Torah people. That's what Yisias Mitzrayim was after all. The deliverance from Egypt, we must understand, was not only for the purpose of our becoming free people. It certainly wasn't merely to rescue us from oppression or to punish Paro and our tormentors. It was for a much bigger purpose than that. Yisias Mitzrayim is the preface to the giving of the Torah. And how did all of that begin? What was the catalyst for this great and eternal career? It was because of Avotenu Shibat Chubecha, our fathers, who had trust in you, that you chose to bring them out of Mitzrayim and to teach them the statutes of life at Har Sinai. Now that seems like a new thing to us. When you ask, what caused our forefathers to be worthy of Asher Bakorbanu Mikolamim, Venatanlanu et Toroto, of being chosen? We wouldn't have imagined that it would be because they cried out when they were distressed. But that's what we're hearing now. That's the meaning of Our forefathers trusted in you. It's because they cried out to you with all of their hearts again and again. That's what perfected them and made them ready for Yitzhiyaz Mitzrayim and Kabbalah Satoida. We must understand something about the human soul and its function in this world. The human soul is very deep. It's profound and bottomless. HaKadosh Baruch Hu breathed the soul into man and anybody who breathes into somebody breathes of himself. And that means that there's unlimited greatness, infinite possibilities in each one of us. Hashem 
breathed into us. The Gemara in Nida says, before a child is born, a malach comes and teaches him the entire Torah. All the great ideals of Torah living, he's taught before he's born. And then, just as he's about to go out into this world, the malach gives him a slap and he forgets everything. Remember that, Mamar Chazal? Isn't that a queer thing? What's the purpose of teaching him everything if he's going to forget it all immediately anyhow? And the answer is, he doesn't forget. It remains forever within him. When the malach gives him a slap, he becomes unconscious. And that's how we are born in this world. We are in a daze and we are unaware of what we are and what we have. But subconsciously, it's there. And therefore, our function in this world is to awaken the greatness within us and to cause it to surface. That's what David HaMelech said. Ura kavoidi, awake my glory. We all have a glory within ourselves, but it's fast asleep. We have to stir it like David did and make it come to the surface. Now, one of the greatnesses that we have within ourselves is the glory of bitachon, of relying on our Kodesh Baruch Hu. But not just rely. Like, what can I lose? I'll ask you to. That's not the glory of Bitochan that Hashem breathed into you. Suppose somebody is at the end of the rope. He has tried everything already. Nobody is going to help him. No bank is going to offer him a loan. He has no friends. And so finally he comes to you. He remembers you from way back. You used to be a schoolmate of his. And he comes to you and he says, Please, you have to help me. And he cries out to you, I have nobody to rely on except for you. And he's serious. He's not just trying to pull the wool over your eyes. Now, you would like to send him away, but he won't take no for an answer because you are his only hope. He's desperate. He knows there is nothing but you. That was our forefathers. Only that they didn't wait around to go around and find out what other means there are to help them. They didn't go to the bank for a loan or call up the rich uncle in the Bronx first. They knew from the beginning that Ein lanu melech ela There's nobody but you. And they cried out with such fervor, with such intensity, with such a loud voice that each tefillah, each groan, and each cry made them greater and greater until they became so great that Hashem said, now is the time. And so we are learning now one of the great ways, one of the big methods of bringing forth what is in your neshama and making yourself into what you are able to become. It's davening. It's prayer. And that's what our forefathers in Mitzrayim did. They brought out all of their greatness in bitachon by means of davening. Now when I say davening, it's not going to mean anything. Davening to us means just saying words and showing you're going to have to first forget what you have in your head about davening because we're going to learn now an entirely different purpose of tefillah. We're going to see that tefillah is the well-paved and well-traversed road to bitachon. Now everyone knows that there's a shara bitachon in Chayvah Salavavos. He's famous for that. He's one of our most important sources of this great subject. But when will you do it? Learning Sha'ar HaBitochen is excellent. But how many people do that? Chayv is not such an easy subject. And even if you do learn Sha'ar HaBitochen, you have to practice it every day. You have to say it again and again so that it gets into your head. And tefillah gives us a pathway to achieve that. 
It's like what Rabbi Yisroel Slanter said about learning Musr. Rabbi Yisroel invented a system of learning Musr. The truth is, it's an old system, but he reinvented it. Let's take an example of a man who was against studying Musr in the yeshivas. There was a man like that. So he took a misilus, he shot him, and he read a few lines and he said, So what? I read it. Did it change me? No, it didn't change him. But he didn't understand what it means to learn Musr. He was learning it the wrong way. Rabbi Yisrael taught the right way. He said that first of all, you should say it with a loud voice and with passion. You should shout it out. Secondly, you should do it again and again. And if you follow that way, Rabbi Yisrael said, then after a while, you will be a different person. Isn't it a tragedy to say the words all your life and never actually feel them? Rabbi Yisrael taught that you have to repeat these great words over and over again. But you have to shout them and put your whole heart into them. That's how they learned Musr in Slobodka. They stamped with their feet and they shouted. Each one was shouting his own favorite ma'amar. And they were raising the roof of the yeshiva for a half an hour. There was a kol rash godol. And at the end of a half hour, you weren't the same person anymore. Those words that everybody says coldly without being affected, now it went into the marrow of their bones. They began to live the great ideals. Now, that's only a half hour. But on Shabbos night, we didn't have any lights in the yeshiva. It was dark. So then we had a full hour before Ma'ariv began. And then we used to really let go a full hour on one thing. Everyone picked their favorite Ma'amar Chazal. And the tears flowed like water, like a fountain from their eyes. Each one was shouting his Ma'amar Chazal from his corner. This world is like a hallway to get to the next world. Ay, ay, ay. Prepare yourself. Ay, ay, ay. Prepare yourself over and over again. At the end of the hour, when you came out, you were a new man. You saw things so clearly that nobody else understood. The same statements that were superficial before now became so sharp and so brilliant in your mind. Now that's what tefillah is. Tefillah is a musr It means that you're speaking directly to the king. You say, Ata, you Hashem. Why, oh you? I need you, Hashem. Do you know what you means? It means you're talking directly to HaKadosh Baruch Hu because he's the one you need. And that starts pumping out of your heart all the bitochen that you have. We don't have to go outside and find Amuna and put it into our hearts. We have an atom bomb of bitochan within us. There are endless stores of spiritual energy inside of us. And it's up to us to start letting it come forth. What tefillah does, nothing else can accomplish. You're saying it again and again. I need you for this, and I need you for that, and for this, and for that. And that draws up from the neshama a greatness that you never imagined was possible. A greatness of bitochan that's buried in our neshama. When you shout constantly to a boy day and you do it with islavos, with feeling and excitement, that teaches you bitachan. That's how tefillah makes you great. And actually, it's the most fundamental purpose of tefillah. Tefillah is not about getting what you need, what you want in your pocket. 
It's about getting bitochan into your head. That's one of the main objectives of the tefillah. To learn that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one that does things. That He is in charge. And even though you are far away from it, you didn't learn Shara Bitochan. You didn't study anything about Bitochan. But the mere fact that you're asking Hashem and you're trying to do it with the purpose of gaining that quality of character by means of talking to Hashem and asking Him for things, you start getting that attitude that Hashem is the one who's going to give it to you. You become an Ish Bitochan. And so, everyone has to take himself in hand and make tefillah a program for life. Every good from Jew, man and woman, has to lift himself up by his bootstraps and get out of this rut of davening the way we do in our shoes. You know, sometimes an idealist, about tshuva, let's say, he came in from the outside and his heart is full of fire to serve Hashem. And so he comes into a place where people have always been observant and he looks up to them. They are his models. And what does he see? He sees that they don't make a big fuss of this business of prayer. They hurry through the Shemona Ezrei. It's a formality. Nobody is banging his head. Nobody is davening like Hashem is the only one who can answer. And therefore, he feels embarrassed. What will he do? A new arrival? He's going to teach them how to pray? Anyone who shows he's a little more from than the people expect him to be, he's a crank already. And so after a short while, he gets into the rut like they are. And he also begins wasting his life away. Oh no! Don't look at the people around you. The glorious opportunity of tefillah should be utilized, even if it means you'll have to disregard all those people around you. Even if they are talmidei chachamim, if they're stuck in the rut of habit, disregard them. Sometimes if you want to become something, you have to be independent. You cannot lean on the opinions of other people. You must set out on the path of a Kadosh Baruch Hu, all by yourself. Save your life. You only have one life. And don't talk about it because they'll call you a dope. Don't tell your wife or your husband. They'll cool you off, chas v'shalom. Even in the yeshiva, you can't say it. Let's say you go into the base medrash and you'll tell them, I want to become an ishbitachan by asking Hashem for everything that I need and everything that I want. So they'll consider you a lunatic. They'll laugh in your face. It doesn't mean that they're against the idea. But if you say it, it means you're a dope. You're not supposed to say such things in the yeshiva. The mountain of bitachan is a mountain that you'll have to climb by yourself. It's a path that's sparsely traversed. Very few travel it. You know, when climbers want to conquer a high mountain, there are a lot of people at the bottom of the mountain. They all have their climbing equipment, the tents, the picks, and the harnesses. But the higher you go, the more rare the atmosphere is, and the very few people are willing to actually make the climb. But those who do, the ones who keep climbing, those are the ones who reach the summit. Now, we're not interested in climbing those types of mountains. It means nothing at all to us. But the mountain of Bitochen, that means everything. Of course, it's a very high mountain, and you're down at the bottom yet. Genuine Bitochen means that you believe that Hashem is the only one that can help you, and nobody else has any say in the matter. And we're still far away from that. But now we have our way forward. We have our most important climbing tool. When a person appeals to Hashem for help, that outward act makes him feel that Hashem is the one who can help him. 
And that begins to draw forth the intense bitachon that he's capable of. The more you get busy praying to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, not just davening, but calling out to him, because he's the only one, the more you realize that he's the only one that can help you. That's one of the great ways of climbing up the mountain. And the more tefillah, the faster you climb, and the higher you reach. It's a tragedy that so many good people aren't climbing this mountain of bitachon. I'm talking now about good people who are committed to a life of serving Hashem. And yet, so many fail to utilize one of the biggest opportunities that life can offer to anybody. And that is the success that one gains from a career of tefillah. Isn't it a pity that idealistic people should allow their lives to go by davening by rote, mitzvahs anashim milumodah, without thinking what they are saying, three times a day or more, day in and day out, and they don't realize that every piece of the davening is an opportunity to climb higher. Now I want to tell you a little point here before I go on further. You might say, well, one time tefillah, how much bitachon can I gain already? Bitachon is so lofty, so high. What could a little tefillah do? The answer is like this. I know a man who had a diamond shop. And all day long, he is rubbing diamonds with a wheel to shape them. When five o'clock comes, he gets down on his knees with a pan and a brush, and he sweeps up all the dust underneath his machine. Because it's not dust. It's diamond dust. And diamond dust is precious. And sometimes a little chip of a diamond is found on the floor too. And therefore, when it comes to bitachon, every little speck is precious, even more than a diamond. And tefillah is where you'll find those diamonds. You'll find diamond dust and diamond chips. And if you put your mind to it, you'll find nuggets too. When you go through the tefillahs, you'll see many such statements that declare that our Kaddish Baruch Hu is in charge of every detail of our lives. And even if once in the whole Shemona Esrei, you'll have a hargasha, a real feeling that he's the one in charge. That little bit is already a big achievement. You're living for a purpose that day. Now, I won't take your time now, but I'll give you just a few examples so you'll understand what I'm saying. You know in the tefillah we're going to start saying in a few weeks, you blow the wind and you make it rain. In Lashon HaKodesh, it doesn't rain. That's in English. In America, they say it rains. In Yiddish too, esregent, esregent, garnished, or avindblots, a wind is blowing. Sheker v'chazav. The wind doesn't blow by itself. It doesn't rain by itself. Mashiv aruach. Omori dageshem. You Hashem. You are blowing the wind. You're bringing down the rain. Keep that in mind. When Moitzei Sukkot comes and we start saying those words, you're practicing up your bitachon every day with those words. You're teaching yourself that Hashem is in control of the world. When you say, You give us das. Why do you say, You don't start all the tefillahs with an atah. You say, Only when it comes to das, we say right away, the first word of the bracha, you. The answer is, that even the ba'alei bitochon, when it comes to das, so people think, I have das, it's me. What's that got to do with bitochon? No, without Hashem, you don't have any das. That's why we need a hakdama. The preface is, Atah, you, if it wasn't for you, 
I'd be a raving lunatic. The reason you're not Khalila in an insane asylum, in a padded cell, and raging and knocking your head against the wall, is Atah. You're walking in the street, and you're not babbling nonsense. You're walking like a decent, civilized person. It's Atah Choynein. Oh, now you're learning Bitochen. Three times a day, you're reminding yourself that Hashem is the one that's making you sane. It's Atah. It's you. If you know what you're saying, it's a diamond each time you say it. When you say, Rifainu Hashem, Venenofe, heal me Hashem. So you're thinking about how many hundreds of thousands of complicated situations are taking place in your body every day. It's mamish a miracle that you survive. I always tell you about the very thin capillaries in your brain where the blood flows through slowly, corpuscle by corpuscle. They're so thin that they go in single file. Now blood is a sticky business. You know, it's plasma and plasma is sticky. So in such thin tubes, it could happen that it gets stuck. And when that happens, it can cause chas a stroke right away. So why doesn't it happen? Because the Raife Chaylim keeps the blood liquid and it flows through. Sometimes a corpuscle almost gets stuck. That's when a Kaddish Baruch sends another blood cell to give it a nudge and push it ahead. Ah, it clears it and you're safe. Millions of things like that are happening in your body all day and all night long. So when you say, Baruch, Ata, Hashem, you Hashem, are the Rofei Yisrael, the one who keeps us well. You are the one who heals us constantly. So you're working on Bitochan. Of course, when it's necessary to take Rufua, you should take the medicine. But you have to know that Ata, it's you. Hashem is the one who heals us. Your mitzvah is to take the medicine. But by davening, you're reminding yourself that only Hashem is the Rai Now every bracha is like that. Every bracha is a Musr Seder. All the way to the end of davening. Sim Shalom. Oh Hashem, Sim Shalom. There shouldn't be any war in my household. There should be peace in the households of my sons and daughters too. Oh, it's quiet on all fronts. Your daughters are quiet with their husbands. Nobody's complaining. Maybe they are, but not to you. You hear nothing from your children. That's HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's only because of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Hashem, please, I don't want any litigation with my neighbors. Did you ever go through that? You have some trouble with a neighbor. And then sometimes you're dragged to court. A man used to come here and he was blinking all the time. I saw he was very nervous and I spoke to him once and he told me he has constant legal trouble with his neighbors about the driveway, about this and about that. He was driven into the courts again and again. That's Tzoros. Only with HaKadosh Baruch Hu do you avoid such things. Don't let your Shmona Esrei go to waste. Shmona Esrei is a gold mine. And when you're standing in a gold mine, even if you grab only one handful, you're already a wealthy man. But you have to know how to grab. If you're not begging Hashem for mercy, if you're not crying out and begging, so your tefillah is not a tefillah. When you daven, you have to daven. Like a poor man begging at the door of a rich man. Shulchan Aruch. He's talking here about a man without shoes. He's hungry and cold. And he's begging for something to eat. That's a man who knows how to cry out. And that's how we're supposed to daven. But it's not only in the shul. And Ish Bitochan has to be shouting to Hashem 
all the time. Because if he's the only one, if he's the only address, so it becomes an all-day business. If you could do it in a Shimona Esrei with Kavana, very good. But that doesn't mean you can't do it outside of Shimona Esrei. You can say it in English or in Yiddish in the middle of the day. From time to time during the day, say to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hashem, protect me from Tzoros. You know, people cross streets. Ocean Parkway is known as the most dangerous street in all of Brooklyn. The last six years, there were 31 people killed on that street, besides many accidents, where people were hurt. And so when you're crossing a street, it's worth saying a tefillah. Don't think it's a joke. You walk out at night wearing black suits and black hats. They can't see you. You should be Miss Palel. When you have to cross a street at night, make it your business to pray beforehand. Hashem! Please bring me across safely. Now the mere fact that you asked for it is a success already. Even though all cars tonight are in the garages and nobody is traveling on the streets tonight, you weren't in danger anyhow. It's a success because you relied on Hashem. And so, while you're walking down the street, you can talk to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He's the only one who can help you anyhow. You're not married? Ask for a good shidduch. You're married already? Ask for nice children. Ask for good shiduchim for your children. Ask for good edims, good michutonim. Ask him for parnasa. You have parnasa? Ask that you should succeed in your profession. Ask that there should always be peace and quiet in your neighborhood. Ask always that you should have good health, that you should have good eyesight always. You should always be able to walk without a cane. You should never get a cold, never catch any disease. There's so much to ask for. Ask Hashem, you should be popular. Why not? Ask Hashem that you should be wise. You can ask Hashem to make you a lamdan too. Of course, you have to do something about it. But you can still ask Hashem that he should help you succeed in knowing Baba Kama and Baba Messiah. You want to know Baba Basra? Ask Hashem. Now you might say, well, it's a big job. So I shouldn't really be asking. I should start doing it myself. Ask him anyhow. Say, Riboni Shalaylam. Give me a cheshek to learn. Give me a desire to learn. Ask for it. Always. You want to catch the bus. So while you're running, of course, you should look where you're going so you shouldn't fall. Sometimes the sidewalk is uneven. But while you're watching where you're going, say, Hashem Oshia. Or say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, help me get to the bus. Absolutely. There are no limits. You can ask for anything, for every little thing. And that's because when it comes to bitachan, there are no little things. No matter how small of the thing is, the tefillah is great. It's not the thing that's so important. It's the tefillah that's important. The constant crying out is what makes you great. It wasn't going out of Mitzrayim that made us so great. It was a tremendous thing, by the way. What we saw then, we'll remember forever. But it's before we went out of Mitzrayim that we became great. Why did we get the big Zechiah? The tremendous privilege of witnessing the Nisim of Yitzhiah's Mitzrayim and being brought to Har Sinai to receive the Torah because we became great beforehand by crying out to Hashem. Now you know why Mitzrayim was called the Kur HaBarzel, the Iron Furnace. How do you make metal perfect? Let's say you want to make something out of gold, but you want pure gold. Perfect gold. Do you know how to purify gold? You boil it in a refining pot, in a furnace. The tzaras, the troubles of Egypt, were the refinery. 
And how did it refine them? Because they were boiling with troubles. And because of those troubles, they cried out so long and so fervently until they were refined and they became pure gold. That was the achievement of Mitzrayim. After that big treatment, after all those years of Vayimaru et Chayehem, Ba'avodah Kasha, that caused them to cry out, they became so perfect that now, Shabbat Chubecha, now they had full trust in Hashem. Now they had full trust. They had trust before too, but they had it now on a new madrega that they never had before. That's what the bringer of Bikurim declared when he came into the base Hamigdash. We cried out, and then, only then, did you take us out. Because it was dependent on that. That's how we became worthy of everything that came afterwards. It was all Ba'avor Avotenu Shabbat because we relied on you and spent our days in tefillah, climbing the great mountain of Bitochon. That's how we were taken out of Golos Mitzrayim and brought to Har Sinai and Eretz Yisroel. And that's how he'll once again take us out of Golos and bring us back to Eretz Yisroel by means of our Bitochon. Have a wonderful Shabbos.